Good afternoon. Welcome to the channel. Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. It might for some feel like a little Groundhog Day feel, but this is the next 24 hours is what's going to make this market very interesting. As we know, macroeconomics, we talked about it a little bit yesterday in the trade, is still a factor for what we're seeing today, not knowing what's going to happen in the next 24 hours with or without a government shutdown. So we're going to kind of take a look at what that means, weighing on the trade. But I think the most important statement before we even started the program and that was, I'm talking with Kyle Bumstead, by the way, Kyle with Allendale, is the market is still going to function without the government. And sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in a government shutdown, who's getting paid, who's not getting paid, who's working, who's not working. The markets will still work. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to look at what it's the fact that it's um, end of quarter. We've got harvest underway. And the livestock are feeding off what's happening in the grain complex. So a lot to look at in today's program. And so, Kyle, kind of start out, first of all, that statement, the market's still going to function without the government if there is a shutdown. Well, that's right, Susan. First of all, thanks for having me back. But, yeah, the, the, the market is still going to trade whether the government's open or not. So we need to kind of get that out of our minds that the markets aren't going to shut down. Big deal. We miss out on some government reports. It's all old, outdated data anyway. And the market prices supply and demand every day, and the market prices it through basis as well. Now, recently, we're at the precipice. We're starting into harvest here. We're getting a really good start on things here. Basis has been widening out. It's been going down the tubes. And that's just telling me, from a marketing perspective, we got grain coming to town right now. The commercials don't need to bid up for it on the cash side. And they're not really going to have to chase for it on the future side of the complex either. So regardless, if there is a government shutdown here in the next 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever it may be, we're still going to open up on Sunday night. We're still going to have markets. We're still going to be able to trade supply and demand without government reports. We can see the supply and demand through the market every day through the basis and the spread. So that's what I think the farmer needs to be clued in on right now is the basis and the spreads as we're sitting in the combine getting out there. Do we sell that corn bean? Do we sell the corn beans off the combine? Do we hold it? What's the market telling us? So I think that's the most imperative thing that we need to really rely on here. I mean, all this government data, if we do get shut down as far as export data and things like that, U.S. airports, yeah, it's going to be backlogged, and then they'll have maybe two reports released on a day. or It's, it's, it's going to be a jumbled mess if they do. But for those of us like myself and don't follow the government, uh, reports, it's not going to mean anything. It's just going to be another day. Yeah, and, and you bring up an interesting point. I think a lot of folks also kind of forgetting that we do have a report coming out tomorrow. Again, getting kind of caught up in all the outside market influence that's out there. That's right, Susan. Now, we'll know more in about uh, 23 hours and 20 minutes as I'm uh, doing this right now. It's about 1.38 Central Chicago time here in Central Nebraska. And what I mean by that is I'm looking at that December corn chart, and it's how the algos are programmed when they get that Excel data dumped on us here at 11 o'clock tomorrow central time what happens with this december corn market now we're sitting in a very good spot we closed around 488 and a half here we were making new highs into the end of the day on this corn complex fundamentally the market has been growing more bearish over the last six weeks what i mean by that is the basis has continued to get wider they've put more carry into the spreads meaning uh they're putting the premium out there in those deferred contracts so those of us that are short futures up front here or hedged, we can be looked at rolling those out to the March contract and picking up some carry in the complex there. That's what we like to do is roll out and capture the carry. Now, depending on where we close tomorrow, it's imperative from a monthly standpoint on the monthly chart. We've had some intermediate reversals, some short-term reversals here on the daily and the weekly corn charts. 
We need to watch that 478 and a quarter here on the monthly corn chart. Now, I have a caveat to that. We've done this a couple times here this summer. I think we did it in June, and we tried to do it in August, where we tried to put in a reversal on the monthly corn charts, but yet it failed. So this would be the third time, uh, maybe the third time's a charm here, but we definitely need, uh, as far as a reversal pattern on that monthly chart, which could set us up for a couple more months higher. Not saying we're going to be off to the races, but you could see this thing work back to five, maybe a little over $5. Depends on how much short covering the funds do based off that technical pattern here. But closing about 478 and a quarter would confirm a reversal pattern is in play to the upside on the corn market based off the monthly long-term chart. Well, you know, you talked as well that the fact that um, harvest is underway, we're going to start to really see a lot of uh, grain coming to market or being held in the bins. Having said that, there's not a lot of strong demand out there right now for our grain. That's right. Now, um, demand demand is uh, basically three legs. you got the exports the feed and the ethanol and ethanol has been the one that's been pulling the sleigh here recently now we have heard the stories over on the mississippi river about how bad it is can't get barges up and down the river and i've talked to some uh, producers over there they're dumping beans on the river right now they're still moving beans down the river they're just not loading the barges as full and uh, like one producer said they've been calling wanting beans they've got they've got room to load beans so they're getting stuff moved down the river but they're just not loading the barges clear to the draft like they like they have that ability to. They're loading like nine feet, and they can go nine and a half when they've got a full pool of water. And uh, so we're still moving stuff down the we're still moving stuff down the river, just not as much down the river at this time. So what about demand though? Because China continues to look at South America, and usually by October we're seeing them more interested in the U.S. beans. We are, we are, and that's a little bit of a concern, too, because we've seen the real tank yesterday, the Brazilian currency, the real, it did tank, and so that just said to the Brazilian farmers, look, our beans are worth more, we're just going to wait, and, uh, you know, I think China, with the political relations we have, and we have another political, uh, what do I want to say, we have a, a, a political place happening here all this next year as we wait for another election to roll around here, that's going to be a sensitive subject here as far as our trade with China, so... I do think uh, there's a possibility they do step back in here and start buying some more beans, but I do not think, as far as a technical standpoint, we're quite at that level just yet. To get this bean market to turn around from a technical chart standpoint, you'd like to see it complete its downtrend, take out 1282 and a quarter, then reverse and work higher. That would give you a clear-cut reversal pattern on the chart if we were to take that out and then move higher from there. Well, there's lots of things that our producers need to continue to look out for. When we come back, we're going to talk about the fact that it is end of quarter coming up and, and other influences that are affecting the way the, the grain side of it trades. Really, how does it also blend in to what we see on the livestock side? Nice to see some positives for cattle today. More's coming up. It's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the channel. Final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation with Kyle Bumstead. Kyle, of course, with Allendale. And as we look at these markets, Kyle, we talked a little bit, obviously, about all the influence we've been seeing. But it's easy to forget we're at end of quarter as well. How do you see that factoring into our trade? Well, we've seen that factor in here as far as the live cattle and the feeder cattle complex. These funds have been, uh, let me let me state this to be to be clear. 
a market that can't go down won't go down. I'm not bearish cattle moving forward. I think we're at somewhat of a maybe entering into a consolidation phase here in cattle. And I think it's just a little bit too early for us to make the next leg higher on this bull run, given where prices are at right now. So we saw a lot of profit taking here in this live and feeder cattle complex here. And I think the grain complex to a lesser extent. But when you look at the live and feeder cattle, they've been long for months and they've been long pretty much this whole third quarter in cattle. And what better way to go back to your hedge fund clients and say, look at all the money we made here because you took a bunch of profit in the live cattle and the feeder cattle complex. I think that's what was a lot of it was just profit taken by the funds. Yesterday, when we saw a flush out here, the last the last part of the flush out, we did see the bull spreads go to work. That looks really good. You know, I'm a big spread watcher, been involved in the Octis, the Feb, and the Feb June, some of those spreads out there. They've gained quite a bit of ground here this week. There was some profit taking here yesterday and today from the levels that they were at. Um, that October, December live cattle spread, if that widens back out, you know, there's going to probably be some opportunities there. But this week's cash trade was, I'm going to call it steady at best. We did hear some cattle trade. Now, I don't know the quality on all this, but I heard some cattle in the Southern Plains trade at 182 yesterday and 183. That was kind of the market there. And we traded 184, 185 here in Nebraska and on an address basis, 292 to 292 and a half, which would be about steady with last week. So with that being said, when we come into the 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 week here, Susan, we were a little bit overvalued on the future side of things here, given where the cash market was. So was it due for a correction? Absolutely. Could we see this market move down a little bit further? Yes, we could. Could we see it sit here in a nice trading range in this December contract from, you know, 188 and a half to 192 and a half? Absolutely. We could put it in a nice $5 range up here that could be easily tradable here. And we put most of that back on here today alone here in this December live cattle contract. Now, coincidentally, the October live cattle, those expire, those uh, options expire a week from Friday. So a week from tomorrow, the October live cattle options expire. Then we move into first notice day. October live cattle made a new life of contract high today just by a few cents. So making new contract highs, as you folks have heard me say before, is not bearish. But we still need the cash market here to come along here and keep this thing propped up, especially in October, because October is going to be tied to cash here in about a week and a half. So we really need to watch that there. If the cash market doesn't keep moving higher, then we're probably going to see a little bit of this premium get pulled out of the board. You know, just a couple a couple bucks could be pulled out of this board here as far as the October contract if we stay at these levels. What about consumer confidence at this point, especially like in the front half? We talked about everything that's going on right now that we'll know in the next 23 hours. But is there some nervousness when it comes to that? I think there is some nervousness here. Now, we've seen the box beef market work lower during the month of September. Um and that is somewhat seasonal. I will give it that. We do see the market, the box beef market move lower during the month of September. A lot of times we try to find some footing in here towards the end of September. I'd like to see us find and hold this $300 area on the choice box. Otherwise, we're probably going to take it back to 288 and that's going to give the packer a little bit more leverage to try to get cattle bought cheaper. So trying to get them bought on their terms. Now, uh, as far as consumer confidence as a whole, I know a lot of people say there's no recession. Personally, I still think that there's one looming or it's it's here. We just haven't been told that it's here. We haven't seen it yet. But with the holidays around here, you've got crude oil that tagged $95 a barrel, which is trading lower by now. So that chart there looks very interesting from a short-term standpoint. Could be a reversal of downside coming here in crude short-term. 
you got gas working higher at the pumps and you've also we're also sitting here what first of october we're 45 days from staring at the major holidays so is that going to affect travel is it going to affect how much consumers spend on christmas uh, buying i think it will and i think that uh i'm still in the camp and i've seen it before where people will cut out higher end cuts of meat to save money especially when they're looking at holidays so it looks like hamburger will be the king for a while Yes, and talking with some of the retailers here, hamburger has really been moving here. They've the the, the hamburger, the cuts and grind, the, the trims and grinds have really been moving here. So folks are still uh, eating hamburgers, which is good. We got to move that meat too. And the weather's been really good here too. The you know the last couple of weeks we've gotten out of the heat, so people have gone back to the grilling and uh, cooking outdoors. Which uh, we've got a few steaks thawing in the fridge ourselves here for tonight. So um, you know the weather's great. People are still going to stand outside and grill, especially with tailgating and football season here. All right, best way for folks to have a conversation with you. You can call me at 308-708-7340. All right, thanks so much. Kyle Bumps has been joining us. As we always do remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss that isn't suitable to all investors. That's been the Channel Final Bell being brought to you by Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professional. You can check this out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe for this free podcast. And that is the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.